Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For you, in, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. For everyone who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the laws and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Only few find it. Amen. One, one quick thing there, Chris. If somebody here wants to fire off a check today, does that go to Franktown Open Hearts? It goes to Franktown Open Hearts. Or, or Patrick, no, no, no. Uh, <clears throat> Franktown Open Hearts. Just want to make sure that. It is a great event. I'd never seen anything like it before I came here. And we've been here, we, we did, we've done everyone since we've been here. And so we'll be there at this, well, I'll be there. Uh, Cami will be away out of state. But you, you've got to come, if only just to, to see how we wrap presents. Men wrapping presents. I'll never forget the time that Dave Castley got it tragically wrong what that meant and earned the term, the nickname Strawberry Ice from then on. But uh, we, we, we just use more tape than God requires. But it'll be fun, maybe. Come anyway. It's fun to watch. I warned you that when you get into Chapter 7 of the Sermon on the Mount, last week I warned you, uh, two weeks ago, it seems contradiction alley. Do, one set up and then that seems to contradict it and this seems to contradict the other. Be careful as you read it. Remember everything you've learned the first two chapters of the sermon. Remember how he sets it up. And then remember that this is not a word-for-word -word, uh, dictated sermon. Matthew's putting in bullet points. Sometimes you've got to fill the gaps between the, uh, the bullet points. For example, many people will see an, an immediate contradiction between verses 3 and 5 and then in verse 6. Because in 3 and 5, it says, you're not to go around telling other people they have faults. You're supposed to be dealing with your own faults. And then in verse 6, he talks about, don't give to dogs what is sacred. Don't, don't throw your pearls to pigs. I've had people say, wait a minute, you can't have one or the other. Judge not that you be not judged. Or looking at people and saying, well, that's a dog or a pig. I'm not going to. That does seem odd, doesn't it? And so close together. Maybe that should be a clue that what they heard, because if they, if they had heard it like we heard it, they may have immediately jumped up and go, well, that's a contradiction. Which one do you want us to do? But they didn't hear a contradiction. Nobody stood up and said they saw one. Nobody brought one up later because they heard something else. He's using an expression here to get across the specific message, don't waste time 
arguing, or even engaging with those who ignore verses 3 through 5. There will always be people who will ignore 3 through 5. There, there once was a time where people read words that were printed on bits of paper. This is a long time ago. Stay with me. These papers would sometimes arrive in your, your mailbox. Sometimes you paid for these papers to arrive. Others were just foisted upon you. And they were religious papers. And there's a term that Leroy Garrett coined years ago. He said people became editor bishops. They had a printing press. Therefore, they could print and say, that church is wrong, that church is good, this guy is wrong, that church. And, and then there'd be another paper saying, oh, no, that guy's wrong. About, and then there'd be another paper, and they'd all come. And I can remember many years ago, somebody asked me which ones I subscribed to, and I said, none of them. And they said, why not? And I said, sacred gossip is still gossip. Besides, God never told me I was to be in charge of another church. He told me to work where I was. I will confess, however, that God has a sense of humor because we would be in the Detroit area when people really pushed this on me. And they'd say, did you hear what they did in Tennessee? There was a thing called Jubilee here. I never went, but I heard about it. Did you hear what that person... And I'd say, I don't care. And they'd look at me, how can you not care? And my response was, I'm trying to convert Detroit. <laughs> when we get this... Tennessee, better watch out. I had no idea. I had no idea that I would end up here. There you go. Now it's your turn, buddy. Anyway, the point being, if it's a dog or a pig, they're going to be a dog or a pig. Let them choose themselves. Very, I won't say names because I didn't ask permission, but I thought it was very funny. One of our young couples said that two weeks ago, I said, judge not that you be not judged. And I brought up driving as an illustration. And right afterwards, they were uh, driving away from here when somebody pulled out right in front of them, you know, a little bit of hazard there. But the license plate said, crazy girl. And they said, can we just accept her judgment? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> she, is, she, is, she is wearing the name tag proudly and um, seems to be earning it. So let it be what it is. You know, a dog's a dog, a pig's a pig. And he's saying, don't be a dog or a pig. He was not calling other people dogs or pigs. It was an expression they used in the first several centuries to say, who you are will show up. Don't waste time on those that it won't help. There's, there, I think it was Benjamin Franklin that said, don't try to teach a pig how to whistle. Because you know, it just annoys the pig. There, there's a limit to how far you should go. Jesus, have you ever noticed this about Jesus? How little time he spent with the religious leaders of his day. Now, some of them spent time with him. You can see Nicodemus. You can see the ruler of the synagogue. You can see some of them spending time with Jesus. But he didn't go and seek them out. He didn't go to religious leaders' meetings so they could talk about being religious leaders. He knew that that was going to be a waste of time. He was going to need to talk to the common people. And as Mark put it, the common people heard him gladly. There are people... And we're entering holiday season. Now, I have my in-laws here. They're good people. Some of you are getting family in that you're a little concerned about. There have even been admonitions on TV. Don't talk about politics. Really? You had to have the TV tell you that? <laughs> really? It's a wonder you've made it this far. It really is. Or, the, the, you know, all oh, the family comes. And I love the concept of holidays because people you've avoided all year now come to your house. And they, and they shut the stores so you can't go anywhere. 
We're going to force you to get along. That's a good thing. That's all right. All right. Let's have it out right here. Here they come in. If you have a relative, and I have, I have one that's in my head right now. If you have a relative who lives for one purpose, and that's to point out the fault in others, don't engage them. It's not worth your time. Just don't. They can say whatever they want to say, and when they're done, you can talk about something else. I'll never forget, I gave a, a talk once at a Christian university, and some ministers came up to me afterwards to talk to me about this real big problem in their, in their area. This happens a lot. And as, when they were finally done with it, it took about five, six minutes, they were very intense. I smiled and said, hope you guys have a great day. I'm going. And they said, no, 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 we needed you, needed you to weigh in on this. No, you don't. No, your decision's made. What you're looking for is for me to sign the decision. I'm not going to do that. I don't have to. I can go do something else. Sometimes they trap me. I think I may have told this story before, but I went to a large Midwestern city to do a youth rally. Don't want to name it. Uh, it rhymes with Rolumbus. But I was in there, and I was in a hotel. It's very subtle. Some of you will pick that out. You're good at the New York Times crossword. Um, so I, but I was in my hotel when they called me from the desk, and they said, there's some people here to see you. They're uh, elders. Does that mean anything to you? And I went, yeah, yeah, it does. And they said, can we send them up to your room? I said, no. No, do not let them know what room I'm in. I'll come down. So I came down and never met these guys before, but we went off in a little breakfast nook that wasn't being used at the time. And I'm not making fun of them because they were very sincere, but they caught me off guard. 1,500 kids were coming to this thing, and they said, we need you. There have been some problems among the churches. We need you to help us keep the peace during this youth rally. And I was going, what, what do you need? They, they looked at me with all the sincerity in their hearts, and they were sincere. And they said, how can we make sure there's no clapping? What am I going to do with that? I, it's me. I looked at him and I said, snipers? <laughs> and they looked at me and I said, no, no, really. First couple, just, oof. And, 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 and it calls the herd. It calls the herd. We had a real fun discussion for the next hour and a half. I didn't mean to be a jerk, but I kind of was. The, the point being, why, why bother with arguments when nobody's going to move? If they're not going to move, Jesus says, don't waste your time. Step aside. It's a tragedy, by the way, to assume that any of us don't have something new to learn. Wouldn't it be awful to die and somebody say, well, the last 30 years and never changed their mind about anything? Why were you here? There are some people, I talked to my, my Bible class last week about this, so if you're in that class, you can coast for two or three minutes here. When we talk about the Pharisees, as soon as we say Pharisee, everybody here, oh, bad Pharisees. Do you know in history, Pharisees are the good guys? Because the Sadducees had stripped all miracles out of the faith. The Sadducees had stripped all the hope out of the faith. There was no eternal life. There were no miracles. There were no angels or demons. They took it all out. They, were, they, were, well, they wanted to be more like modern Greeks that followed Plato and Socrates and Euripides and those type of people. The Pharisees brought back the word of God. They said, let's follow the word of God. Where they got it wrong was they forgot to bring the heart of God into it. 
and they thought they were done learning. So anytime Jesus would bring up, this is the way that verse really goes, this is the way that really, they couldn't take it because no, we have learned, we are established, this is who we are. They had become a franchise rather than a movement. Jesus didn't feel it was worth his while to combat them. And except for one chapter in Matthew, he didn't. And in that one chapter, I bet they wish he didn't because he unleashed on them. Some of you are now wondering where that chapter is. Well, you should join the youth in reading through the scripture. You would have found it by now. He just unloads. And then he talks about the end of the world that, in the next chapter. That will give you another clue. Jesus wanted them to be salt and light, but they weren't. They were rules and tradition. He said, that won't work. It won't work. Eventually, if you are salt and light, if you outlive and outlove the world, that's a phrase I use a lot, outlive and outlove the world, eventually the world's going to notice. And sometimes even Pharisees will notice. And a lot of Pharisees became followers of Jesus. So let's not put them all in one box. I can remember years and years ago, Cammie and I went across, and, and many of the people up there listen to these podcasts, and so I'll say hello to Morgantown, West Virginia. We loved it there. When we went over to see whether we wanted to be there and whether they wanted us to be there, two ladies met us on the steps, frowning, waiting for us. And they base, it was a bit longer than this, but it was basically, we know who you are, we know what you teach, and we don't want you here, and we're going to do everything we can to make sure you don't come here. That was how I was greeted. I looked at Cammie and just grinned. This is going to be fun. <laughs> Again, you don't know me real well. To me, the game is afoot. Let's play. And I told my wife repeatedly, our job is to outlive and outlove them. That's our job. Now, if this is a real preacher story, at the end of it, we were best friends and held hands as we danced through the dandelions, but no, that never really, they, they never were really warmed to me, but we stayed there for eight or nine years and had a wonderful time at Morgantown. We loved those people, still do, and we even loved the ones that didn't want us there. They kept us straight. Nothing wrong there. So Jesus says, instead of walking around trying to find people to correct and other things to sort out, Look inward, chapter 7, verse 7 through 12. And I'll read this one, sorry. <laughs> Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. By the way, stop right here. That is not a God is a vending machine. So let's all sing with Janis Joplin, Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? That's not what he's talking about. Don't rip it out of context. A text without a context is a pretext. All right? For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you? If your son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you're evil, thanks for the reminder, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. This sums up the law and the prophets. I really believe that that's in Matthew 7 and not in Genesis 2, so that you don't skip the law and the prophets, especially Second Chronicles and Leviticus. You read it all, and you're going, how can I keep all of these things? And Jesus goes, love God, love each other. That sums it up. Wow. All of these things, ask, seek, and knock, are directional 
metaphors. We're not required to know all, but we are required to know who knows all. We are not asked to have found all truth, but we are asked to know where all truth lies and in whom all truth is found. We need to know whose door to knock on. One of the sad lessons in life is that knocking on the wrong door leads you into the wrong jobs, the wrong relationships, the wrong ideas that mislead and break you. Think of it this way. Jesus is saying, be smart enough, if you're going trick-or-treating, to find a kid who's trick-or-treated that neighborhood for six years. They know where the good candy is. They know who's going to give out those little spongy peanut atrocities, orange thingies. They're in the Revelation somewhere. I'm looking for them. They're there. They know who gives out not the lying candy. Fun size? I don't think so. They know where to go. He's saying, knock on the right doors. Figure out the right place to be. Face the right direction. Don't confuse anybody with Jesus. For those who seek him will find him because he is good and he will make sure they do. You can rest assured of your salvation. And think about that as, um, as Alan was talking about when you know, you, the cross, what do you think of or what do you want to say? My first words are thank you. I just can't stop saying it. Remember when my son was born, for, this is back before you did ultrasounds to figure out what it was and had the big reveal parties and the like. Uh, you had to fight your way past the dinosaurs to get to the hospital. It was a long time ago. But I remember when my son was born, for some reason I had it in my head that God was not going to continue our line, that I was going to be the last. I'm the first son of the first son of the first son way, 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 way back. And I thought, well, this will be the last of it. And whenever we had a son, I didn't know what to say or do. And there was a little chapel in the hospital, and I thought I would go down there and pray and thank God. Well, I had a hard time doing anything. I just stood there, and, and my eyes kept leaking, and I just kept saying over and over again, thank you, thank you. And that's the only prayer I had. There are times that that's, that's enough. We go to God and we say, am I saved? And he goes, you can rest assured of your salvation. Because it's not because of your perfection. It's because of Jesus' perfection. Look at verses 9 and 12 again. If we can get those back up there. I know I... There, thank you. She is so good. Laurie is a real wonder woman, in case you wonder. Which of you... If you there she goes. She did this. Uh, and she's culturally aware. How's that? Which of you... If your son asks for... I hope she doesn't have a lasso of truth. That's all I'm asking. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone... Or if you ask for a fish, we'll give him a snake. Do you know what he's saying here? If you ask God to save you, why do you think he looks for a reason not to? If you ask God to save you, why do you think that you must approach him in absolute perfection and maybe you'll be saved? Where'd you get that idea? Probably from the Pharisee mindset where everything had to be perfect. But instead, Jesus says, leave salvation up to me. Trust in my love. Let's step aside to the minute and look at verse 12 again. Jesus is very consistent about this. This sums up the law and the prophets. He repeated it. Love one another. This sums up the law and the prophets. By the way, the apostles agreed with it. Look at this smattering of verses. Uh, one set out of Galatians and then two sets out of 1 John. 
For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. What a stuff right there. Can you imagine being in the church when that was read? For 1,500 years, this was important. And you'd gone through it. And now Paul's going, eh, not so much. Really? That would have been handy to know back in the day. The on, look at this. The only thing that counts, by the way, if somebody writing from God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit tells you there is one thing that counts, how many things count? This is math, people, but it's pretty easy. I know you're a church of Christ, but you can say this. How many things count? It's nice to agree with God. The one, you're not agreeing with me. I'm, we're not confused. Um, the one thing that counts, the one thing, only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Wow. This Christmas, your presents, your kids may bring you and grandkids may bring you presents. Some of them may be unique. There's something wadded up with staples in it and some tape and a flower stuck in it. Yay. Aren't you glad to get it? Yeah, of course you're glad to get it. It's a great thing. Sometimes they'll bring you a dead bird, not so much. We'll celebrate that in the backyard with Lysol and, uh, and Purell. The, uh, yeah, the anointing of oil. The, uh, the, the whole thing, this is just a, it, it doesn't have to be a perfect gift, does it? Because you love who brought it. That's what Jesus is saying. No, your life's not going to be perfect. But he does warn us about something. Love. Look at this. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. Look at what is not in this verse. Anybody who loves their brother and sister and does all of these things perfectly. No, if you love, you live in the light. And there's nothing in them to make them stumble. You ever have, do you have that attitude toward anybody? I do. I have grandkids. Sometimes my daughter and son-in-law will try to correct them. And I just laugh. There's no need for correction. They're perfect. I am sorry about your kids. Didn't turn out well. But mine, perfection. You get the concept, right? Because love. Love covers that. He's saying, you'll be all right. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Lavish. I love that word. That we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is it didn't know him. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Don't make it harder than it has to be. We have recently seen a host of accusations against powerful men in politics, in Hollywood, media in particular, and some in churches. Accusations of abuse, sexual harassment, and worse. And so recently on Twitter, there was a, a meme that popped up where women, and some on Facebook as well, where they would say, they, they said, I have been harassed. And they would put a hashtag, me too. It was heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. To see all of the pain. By the way, don't, and by the way, if the devil's whispering in your ear right now, we don't know that all of that's true. You've missed the point. The point is, if it's true once, it's too often. And we as men need to accept that and say, this is done. This is not the way we treat each other. Isn't what Jesus who said, as we read, as you want others to do to you, you do that to them.
But he even went beyond that. Now, why? Because some of these sick, perverted souls would say, hey, I'd like people to sexually harass me. So he goes further. And on the judgment day, he's seen, he says, whatever you did to others is what you did to me. Now, how does that frame it? Does that not put a chill up and down your spine? If you have mistreated anybody, you've mistreated Jesus. Because they're made in the image of God. His image. No wonder then that he has to follow this with verses 13 and 14 in chapter 7. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many will enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few will find it. Wow. Why? Because most people are not going to pay attention to love. Most people are still going to, to either act like dogs and pegs or wallow with them. Most people are still going to go around judging others. Most people are still going to point out your fault before they point out their own. Don't live like those people. Be so radically different that the world notices there's something different in this person. And they might like you, and they might want you, and they might hate you. In Acts chapter 2, they loved them. By Acts chapter 4, they were putting them in prison. Same people, same sermon. But you can't ignore us because we're going to outlive you. We're going to outlove you. We're going to outgive you in every possible way. The Christian life requires that you live your life with open eyes, facing forward, being wise. Look at your life. See, is it pointed in the right direction? What are you aimed at? Because that's where you're going. Nothing great, nothing worthwhile in our life comes without great effort, either ours or God's. My wife sows things for our grandkids, and they are treasures that the grandkids will treasure and pass on. How do I know that? Because she has things from her grandparents that she treasures and passes on. It's a, it's a real thing. And she works so hard on these things. That's why they're precious. That's why they're special. Some of you have advanced degrees. You know that they didn't hand that out with a box of Cheerios. That took some real effort. And for some of you, it still is because you're having to pay for them. Effort. But it got you there. A young man heard me preaching once. By the way, this is back in Morgantown now to think of it. He wasn't a Morgantown guy. He'd only been there a couple of weeks, passing through so much. But he walked up to me after the second sermon, and he goes, I want to do what you do. And I said, well, great. Let me talk to you about how I got, and I'll just compress the story. No, he wanted to do it now. He wanted to do what I do. And I said, that's not how this works. You have to go a long time to build these scars and the knowledge base and network with people and show them your love, he wasn't willing to do that, then there's no great thing that's going to happen. A great thing takes effort. Look at the effort of Jesus on the cross. Look at the effort in prayer with the Holy Spirit. Stay alert. Face forward. The rest of the world isn't. They're, they're looking at their phones walking into buildings. Keep your eyes open. See what's going on. There is a, a current road tragedy. It's a crisis of people not paying attention to driving because on the phone. There's one red light to get out of our development. Almost every time when it turns green, I have to, after a while, I don't jump on it, 10, 15 seconds, flash the lights, come on, let's move, because the person in front isn't looking. 
No wonder God says, not everybody's going to find this. Because you've got to keep facing, asking, seeking, knocking. Face away from all the people saying, point out blame, show what's wrong. No, I'm just going to love. I need to face forward. Focus on Jesus. Don't focus on, on your hobby, on your relationships. Don't focus so much on them that you miss Jesus. Don't focus on politics. Don't focus on the scare tactics of the media. You can even, I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say, because you could easily misunderstand this. Right? Don't focus on the church more than you do Jesus. Now, I'm not saying Jesus is great and the church is not. No, the church is the bride of Christ. Don't insult his bride. What I am saying is you can form a church that's more your church than his because it pleases you and it makes you comfortable. You might be thinking, if you're a visitor here from one of the other churches in the area, or if you're new, that I'm talking about those old hardline churches. No, I'm talking even about us. We have to be really careful. We love Fourth Avenue, don't we? We're so open about that. But let's make sure we don't assume that the way Fourth Avenue does it is the way everybody should do it for eternity. We're as we are because we're trying to follow the Holy Spirit and Jesus on a journey, which means we won't end up where we are, right? We're still moving. So although we love our church, and Sunday's my favorite day of the week. It is. I, just, I, I love coming in here and seeing you guys from a distance. It, it's really great. From, you know. <laughs> and if some of you want to hug, I'll designate somebody to hug you. But it, it's, it's good. I love, I love this church. But the reason this church is like it is is because of Jesus. Focus on him, not us. Focus on him. Let's not focus on anything but him. How hard is that? Jesus said it's pretty hard. By the way, if you're one of those, of us, of another church, that think you found everything there is to be found, that's Phariseeism. Don't do that. Jesus didn't think well of that attitude. Next week, by the way, we're going to take a look at what it means to be a false teacher. But in the meantime, don't think we can get away with that in the first part. We aren't judges, but they're in the middle. But we are fruit inspectors thing. That's rather like those, and I don't mean to be offensive, but those who will not swear in court because the Bible says don't swear, but they will affirm. And I'll ask them, what's the difference between the words? And they can't tell me. Well, then all you're doing is changing the name of it. By the way, I've had to be sworn in a few times. And every time, I don't, I don't raise my hand, I don't do anything. Some places still bring out the Bible, and I don't even put my hand on it. And they get a little, you know, the bailiff gets a little worried because this is his gig, and I'm not playing. And, you know, and, and after a while, I'll just, I'll look at the judge, and I'll say, I'm a Christian, and I'm aware of the laws of perjury. I've not, never had a one of them not seat me. Why? Because let's not use another word for it and do the same thing the world does. Let's just say, I'm a Christian. You can trust me. Ask me a question. Live like Jesus. Love like Jesus. What do false teachers do? False teachers don't live like Jesus, don't love like Jesus, and behind them are bad, broken things. They were facing the wrong direction, going down the wrong road, and they leave divided churches, broken hearts, bad relationships, lack of faith, and they're, they're weak. Mark, would you bring the rest of the team up. I'm already here. I'm always ahead of my time. I don't know if you've noticed that. Laurie's up there going, you weren't for a meeting this morning. That's, that's, that is true. That is true. Because everybody else's watch was fast. 
I was slow. The reason you have two eyes, God designed you this way, and the reason they face forward and they're on the front of your face is so that you can see where you're going and because where you look is where your feet go. What are you looking at? On television, on the internet, in your heart, what are you looking at? What are you focusing on? Because that's where you're going. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit nothing. Aim at Jesus, the narrow gate, eyes open, face forward, move. Let's stand.